Welcome to the podcast series for the Gender Institute at LSC. In today's podcast, we talk about the importance of hearing the voices of ordinary women with Dr. Anita Beresi, based on her presentation at the Gender Inequality and Power Commission's Media and Culture event. She starts by talking about how she's researching the topic for a new book. Politics Interrupted is a book I'm writing with Heather Nunn for Rowan Littlefield. And we're looking at the question of voice, and especially the ordinary voice of the female lay subject. And we're trying to think about how it finds its place or not within the political and media spheres. So we've been thinking about the processes which purport to offer a voice to certain constituencies, and the way in which some voices get denigrated, undervalued or dismissed and other voices become prioritised, or you even see them heavily endorsed in the media. So we're trying to think about how an ordinary voice, the voice of the ordinary woman, can get credibility, respect and recognition in the public arena. So there's been a great deal of discussion publicly, and certainly as part of the Commission's work to date, about the voices of of, of prominent women in high-profile roles. But as you say, you're more interested in the voices of more ordinary people. Why, Why is that? I mean... First of all, it's to keep this on the agenda. The voices of ordinary women need to be valued in themselves. But also it's quite interesting to strip away the accessories of power and influence that elite women have and look at ordinary women instead. And one of the things that I'm thinking is that when they enter public discourse without those accessories of power and influence, it's easier for us to see what's really going on in the dynamics of the public sphere. In a way, it helps us to understand the way in which citizenship is gendered. So at the Commission's Media and Culture event recently, you you focused on uh, on the very high-publicised case of the former head of the International Monetary Fund and French presidential hopeful Dominique Strauss-Kahn, who was accused of sexually assaulting a hotel maid in New York. I think a lot of people will remember that case, but remind us about it uh, for those who don't. Yeah, I mean, it's proving to be an interesting case study for us. It was a criminal case, as you said, relating to allegations of sexual assault and attempted rape. And the allegations were made by an immigrant hotel maid, Nefisato Diallo, against Dominic Strauss-Kahn, DSK, um, at this hotel in New York in May 14, 2011. Now, DSK had already been subject to long-running allegations of sexual misconduct, and the criminal case in the end collapsed. But there was a civil case that was settled between the parties following the lawsuit against DSK by Diallo. He put forward a claim for diplomatic immunity and this wasn't upheld. And in the end, he settled with her for a financial figure. One of the consequences of this was that DSK also lost his chance to run for the French presidency. So what is it about this case that interests you when it comes to looking at women's voices in the context of uh, the political and media discourse? For me, the incident formed a perfect case study. I mean, he was a non-elite woman. And she found herself in the media spotlight, pitted against a political titan with huge economic and other resources. And the questions for us included, how will she handle this? And what realistically were her options uh, without the accessories of power and influence that elite women might have, for example, and certainly elite men? Um, How could she find space in the public sphere to put her case forward? This is what we're interested in. And what about this whole notion of the clash between the domestic and the public? I know this is something of interest to you. How significant is that in this case? And and what do you think it it tells us more widely? Well, one of the things we saw there, that there was a kind of mismatch between the public and private sphere. We're here all the time. There's a merging of the public and the private. 
But the way in which the case was covered suggested that as she was a housemaid, a domestic and so on, especially the coverage in France, um, it implied that somehow this was a private matter of feudal master-servant relations and that Diallo had done something problematic by dragging it into the public realm. US coverage also records so-called nannygate incidences in which domestic help goes wrong. So overall, one of the things that this reveals is the way in which class and power relations are still inherent in women's domestic labour and the problems of trying to bring the domestic into the public sphere. Now, it's also quite interesting, isn't it, to see how the case has been covered in the media since it was all settled. Yes, I mean, at the time, what we saw there was the establishment of kind of myths or narratives around the case. Um, So at the time of the coverage, she was described as um, a gold digger, a honey trap, um, as uh, some kind of made from a sex fast. And he was described as a tragic figure with a personal flaw. Subsequently, the media coverages looked at her as though she was somehow paid off. This is the implication from the settlement. Uh, So I'm still looking at this coverage in the UK, for example, but some of the headlines shockingly suggested that Diallo had somehow been paid for her services and that the life she's now made for herself is suspect because she received a settlement. Yeah, she's running a restaurant, isn't she, I think, in, in, in the States or something. And this has been made out somehow to be, you know, something that she's really sort of benefited from this. Yes, whereas in case, in actual fact, it was the result of a civil settlement um, made before the case went fully to court. What would you say and what do you, what do you think a case like this tells us about issues around gender and the media in the 21st century? It seems somehow that, that, that nothing has changed. It is a bit disappointing. It's not the only case. Um, one of the things that I think it does show is that even now the media disparages the domestic and all of the things that are attached to the domestic and it keeps this at the periphery of power and public life. The merging of the public and the private is not really as progressive as it might sound because there are still these issues of what happens when the disenfranchised try to speak. It shows that women's voices still struggle to be heard. She was denigrated, for example, for uh, appearing on talk TV, but she had very limited options in terms of where she could be heard to lobby her case. And more broadly, what this demonstrates is that citizenship itself, access to power and so on, remains deeply gendered. Now, given that some of those attitudes that you've referred to today really do have their roots way back in history, how optimistic are you that a more equal and less negatively gendered media will ever be achieved? And I I wonder, sort of moving on from that, do you think the Commission can, can do something about that? Can it have a role in changing that? Um, I'm definitely going to remain optimistic. Um, And Diallo did persist in having her voice heard. And, you know, that's the more positive side of the story. She did attract supporters, activists and feminist fellow travellers, you might say. It's possible to forge a path and to be heard in the media, even for women who are disenfranchised, providing that they have support. There is strength in the collective after all. But the prevailingly sexist coverage shows we've got a long way to go. Bodies like the Commission can and will make a difference. The Commission is not only taking reports, hearing presentations and so on, it is making concrete recommendations. And it can have a watchdog role. 
it's going to hold policymakers and regulators' feet to the fire by highlighting the commitments that we've all made as nations and institutions around sexual equality. And I'm expecting that it's going to demand that these commitments are carried out. Dr Anita Baresi from the University of Roehampton was talking to Chris Garrington following the Commission's event on media and culture. You can find out more about the work of the Commission at www.lse.ac.uk forward slash gender institute. And you can also follow us on Twitter at LSC Gender Tweet. <laughs>